Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Gaines, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. Uh, this is a in-person episode. I'm here today. My name's Ed Mann. I'm here with the sensational <laughs> Michael Budd. How are you doing, Mickey? I'm sensational. This Thank is you. weird seeing you face to face. We I did know. this before, haven't we? I think we did it at my old place. We did. Yeah, with a... Fraser yeah. and Lou. No, no it was just Fraser, Fraser. I think. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, that yeah. was that was like a year ago. That was it. Was a year ago? Actually, it was over a year ago. Yeah. So there you go. It's like a year, over a year anniversary. I'm going to make an executive decision, actually. Uh-oh. I know we hid from this last week, but I think it's pretty public now. So can we now con- congratulate Fraser on his engagement? Yes. Because, yes, yeah. we should. I'm just congratulating. Yeah, yeah, well, it's out there now. Well done. So yeah. interwebs, Fraser is getting married. Who would have thought? Like The man, the myth, the legend. I would never, ever expect him to get tied down. So, um, yeah. No, but congrats. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, good move for him. So. Good move, yeah. Three yeah. devs. I don't mean three devs on a maybe stag do. Yes. That's all I hear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. God, it's going to be a rager. Code fest. <laughs> I'm sure all his other mates would love it, us just coding. Like, hey, we're doing a hackathon. What is a hackathon? Yeah. <laughs> the geekiest ever stag do. That's it. When I get married, I want to do a hack fest. You know, I want to do uh, just a full out a stag fest, it's called. Yeah. No, that's 48 hour non stop coding. With Red Bull, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sponsored by Red Bull. Or the dark roast coffee that I. Uh, the dark you, roast coffee is good. You like in? You yeah, like in? I know you mix yeah. it with a bit of milk, though. Nice. So that kind of gets rid of the bean a little bit. There know? might be a bit of slurping in this episode, I'm afraid, but. Lovely. Got to get it while it's warm, right? Oh, yeah. So, anyway. But yeah, so it's an in-person episode. Yeah. Um, you're around today. Yes, because we have been doing some, uh, well, not really yet, but some sort of ethical hacking, I guess. One, well, stress testing, shall we say, of um, the system that I've been working on all year, which was a six-month project. Um, but like every, six month, like, yeah, like every six-month project, you times that by two. Yeah. And then you add another, Good you know. rule, actually. Good rule. Yeah, that would have been better, but... Um, yeah, no, it's been good, and uh, hopefully, obviously, that project's nearing to an end, and hence why we've met up today to to really just check that it is secure. So, um, no, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's uh, been really interesting. I mean, it's been it's going great, sir. Oh, I think it's going well. Well, I think I agree with you, and I think you know, yes, try and prevent things from happening, but always be prepared that it will happen. Yeah, and, it's trying to mitigate kind of the things, yeah. isn't it? And like the areas that you can hit, I mean, one of the things, because you're building a very API-centric system, yeah. um, it's dealing with things like the rate limiting and stuff because obviously you you don't want people, you know, using the system, you know, not... Mm. I mean, again, you will understand and you'll, you'll base your assumptions kind of when it goes live on, um, you know, like kind of typical workflows of how people use the system. You know, maybe mm. there's a couple of API requests in quick succession you need to handle and stuff like that. But yeah. you'll find general use cases and, you, and you'll build up a good heuristics on that. Mm. And then the nice thing is, is what we've been implementing using Kong, which has mm. been great being able to implement that, put that middleware in, middle layer in there, yeah. is um, yeah, getting rate limiting out of the box essentially out of that because that way yeah. then you're able to say, look, I only want five requests in this mm. set per second. And we've been able to be, we've been testing that with Apache Benchmark, which has been good. Yeah. Um, and you, you're able to tweak that and you're able to tweak that number yeah. away from the code base. And I think that's the nice thing, isn't it? It's being able to say, look, this is a problem that, you know, Kong can deal with. Yeah. And then when I'm in my code, because I know we were looking and we're thinking, oh, I know you mentioned that something there's something in Laravel that can deal with rate limiting yeah. on its own at the yeah. box. But not in Lumen, which was interesting. But but now, you know, I haven't spoken to you about it. I agree that 
doing something not in in code is much better actually. So I think um, separating because it's not really a concern. Like your domain doesn't really care how much it gets used. You know the the, the reasons why you care about I think request limiting and rate limiting mm. is mainly about load and around kind yeah. of nefarious usage. You know you you have told me you know that there are certain things that people may want to try and yes. you know certain people and companies <laughs> that may want to try to you know do so with your service. Yeah. So yeah. making sure that you know these things are in place that. They can't just keep, you know, hammering the site and stuff. Yeah. I mean, protecting yourself against something like a DDoS attack mm. is nigh on impossible because, mm. yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, GitHub famously got DDoS, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks back or maybe a couple of months back. And there was all that. Well, it wasn't really, yeah. it wasn't GitHub actually, sorry. It was the, it was, I can't remember what the DNS was, but it was their DNS company that you, they used. Right. Got a DDoS attack. And then there was a lot of problems with GitHub, Twitter and things. Gotcha. Um, but you can't really, I mean, that is just high load and unexpected load and handling that. And there's so many ways that, you know, people could go around doing that, that you can't mm. really say, oh, I'm protected against a DDoS attack. Because if GitHub's getting it, then, you know, how are you, how are you protecting yourself from it, really? It's, um, it's a really scary world, isn't it, in terms of what we have to protect against and what we're expected to, to know now. And um, especially with this project like being told at the beginning that to be expect to be attacked yeah. because of the competitiveness of the industry. Um, it's, yeah, it's crazy, but um, I should have, I, I don't know, the, was it Tesco that was attacked and all the car detail? Did yes, we, indeed. They had it just a couple of weeks back. Yeah. was Did it ever come out like what, what that was or how it was done? Or I think it's always interesting with the media, isn't it? It's the initial fanfare and mm. they, they've already got it out there that yeah. Tesco were to blame. Oh my God, you know, people's credit card details have all been leaked or whatever. Yeah. Um, they don't really care about the why. The why, you know, it comes in the back pages at the end, mm. or, you know, like a couple of weeks later or you could probably find online, but I'm sure there must be, there's going to be a report written up on it or something called someone's got some knowledge, but yeah, it probably is. I mean, it goes from there's so many levels with mm. this whole pen testing kind of fun we've you know been trying to do. Mm. You know, where it's from a simple kind of social engineering attack, you know, of like working out someone's password mm. to dictionary attacks, you know, yeah. automated dictionary attacks to I just go up to the server and I plug in a USB pen and I mm. copy them like that. Yeah. So you could, you know, you're like, you've protected, yeah. you're like, yeah, I've rate limited, I've DDoS, and it's like, yeah, great, you know, no one's going to be able to take my site down. Well, I could just unplug your site. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's a funny one, isn't it? Someone could just go up to it and accidentally or nefariously pull out the plug. Yeah. And then you're down. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. it's that like old cartoon where like the, the fire door, the emergency door of the office is like open and someone just walks in and just unplugs the server. Like you say, it's like, <laughs> you know, you can have all the best sort of middleware or that kind of stuff in place. But if you physically, you know, it's not protected, then, you know, I think that's, uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, again, as you say, like as a developer now, Specifically, if you're dealing with the full stack, you really do have to know a lot of things and you have to put your hat on in different areas, you know, where yeah. you're looking at the code and you put your, your, your programmer hat on and then you're going to look at your, you put your, you know, kind of like system operations kind of hat on, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like dealing with like the flow of which all the different parts are. Maybe you're dealing with, you yeah. know, like how things work, you know. You're saying like you've got, you know, your client, you've got your API, you've got your database lay, you've got some bits in between and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, where can we, where are the, the points that we have to deal with, you know, yeah. these areas? Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, so what we've done essentially uh, at the moment, so we're halfway through this lovely day, yeah. is, um, yeah, we've, we've got Kong installed in the Midwest. So we've now taken out Apache now with your yeah. PHP instance and stuff. That's behind Kong. Um, you know, Kong, so Kong, for people who don't know, I've got an episode that we I spoke to... Um, one of the, one of the developers there, or one, I think he was their um, like public 
person talker. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke to him last, actually it was last December, which is kind of crazy. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Kong is an API gateway middleware um, and essentially it allows you to do exactly when we were started talking about this, I was like, "This is why you. This is pretty much on the tin you need. You know, you're dealing yeah. with APIs. You want to deal with well, OAuth. I know you've already implemented that with PHP stuff, but mm. you know, a nice thing. Hopefully, what we'll be able to do yeah. as well today is be able to move that into Kong. Let that problem be not PHP's problem again. Again, is that a core domain? You know, do you care? Mm. All I care about is, am I that user? I don't care about how you became that user. Yeah. Um. So let do OAuth. You know, do Kong deal with that. Um, and yeah, and then dealing with rate limiting and stuff and also the logging that goes around that. Yeah. Uh, and a nice thing with Kong is that because it's essentially just an Nginx installation, um, OpenResty with, um, you know, just use Lua bindings to actually do the code, you can just take advantage of anything that Nginx can do. So you can provide your own config there, so you mm-hmm. could provide your own stuff. Um, but it's, it's been really successful I think so far we've been able to get that set up seriously impressed with it it's it really really good the amount of stuff you get for uh, free is incredible it's, it's almost so. out of the box isn't it we were yeah. able to like play around with rate limiting and so we did like the Apache benchmark stuff and yeah. I think we were, we were going to look into some pen testing stuff like using backtrace I can't remember what, what's the in distro called now Cali Cali yeah, yeah. I think I, I think the thing is it's picking your battles as well isn't it I think yeah. like on a day like this where we're kind of looking through a whole system yeah. Um, I think definitely, you know, one of the things we want to do next is look into data dog stuff yeah. uh, and kind of the monitoring there and handling the health of your system. Because I know you were saying like last week um, on the podcast that, you know, these cron jobs, they just happen and you're like, how, you know, do I know that they've happened and stuff? And yeah. it's really dealing with kind of heartbeat situation systems and stuff there where you're able to say, yep, this process, is it processed within the last hour? Okay, brilliant. If it's not, I probably should know about this because something's gone wrong and why that is the case. I think like I know there's a place for both, but I'm probably swaying more now towards the idea that okay, providing your attack doesn't lead to the release of private details, your your customers' details, then you know it's pretty worth spending more time on the idea of the process of respawning and, and getting things back up and running if you are attacked, rather than the actual the prevention. But I guess you know if time um, resources was no. No problem, you would probably spend equal time on both, right? But I think, yeah, yeah you'd have separate teams dealing with it yeah, all, and that's exactly. the problem, isn't it, as well? But if you're one man, then, you know, what it's can you do? a one-man band. But the thing is, there's that pro and con of everything, isn't it? Because the one nice thing about having a one-man band, like you are, mm. is that you can adapt with the product. Yeah. So the, the change in needs, the change in, you know, what's going on, right? You can swift and you understand the context of everything. You, yeah. You're juggling the whole mind map in your fit. You know, you, yeah. you, the whole structure of the system and the yeah. whole way it is, yeah. is in your mind and you constantly can think of that. Whereas yeah. if you break it up into tasks and you delegate, they will only care about certain tasks. Yeah. Now, and it's, it's, you know what, it's exactly like the build, like the microservices problem mm, yeah. where you'll build microservices up and you're like, are you sure that this is actually a microservice? Mm. Should this maybe be incorporating this? And you've, you've already broken it up and yeah. it's the whole Sam Newman way of saying, build the monolith and yeah. then find out where eventually the, the actual real microservices will yeah. come out of and you'll be able to split them up. Yeah. Um, it will, you know, come from that. And yeah. what you may find is, you know, you're more man-band now with this product, but over time... Once you know it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you'll find points where you're like, actually, this can this whole you know kind of process or mm. part of the system can be broken out. But you've done a good job of that already, really dealing with the clients, dealing with the API and their own as their own applications. Yeah. Um, but then obviously moving into like the microservices stuff and everything. Yeah. yeah. Maybe in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. That, nice. It's it's going really well. It's really interesting. Mm. But yeah. what else have you been up to this week there, man? Uh, so anything really new that I can talk about is um, I was implementing GoCardless. Uh, so anyone who follows me on Twitter will see that I 
tweeting how amazing it was. But yeah, I did they give you free that. money? It's like, <laughs> oh my god, they give you. So what is Go Cardless then? So yeah, but essentially allows you to um, create like direct debit um, uh, sort of agreements with your okay. customers. So um, for anyone who's you know doesn't really want to pay by card, especially if you're handling things like subscriptions, uh, direct debit can often be you know nicer way of going. And uh, Go Cardless, the thing that appealed to me was just that. I guess in the same way that um, Stripe payment was for me, like one of the first gateways to come out that was developed. Actually, friendly. liked, yeah, that's the yeah, thing. yeah, for sure. And uh, but GoCardless is very much the same, and it's so painless to set up. Like I'm not fully integrated it, but I've not got much more to do, and it was just absolutely painless. Like maybe three, four hours work to put it in. So um, yeah, is it a similar kind of developer f- happiness factor definitely. that you got from Stripe. Oh, hundred percent, and the fact that uh, it's a composer package as well. It's just they so give you easy. all the yeah, so easy to integrate. So uh, it's interesting. Actually, I was talking to Gavin, the CTO at my builder. Mm-hmm. We are work. I don't know why I said that, <laughs> uh, but my boss essentially. Uh, and yeah, talking about Stripe and stuff, and how actually they use like you know the world pays and things. So yeah. we use WorldPay on my builder. Mm-hmm. Not the great, you're not the nicest, but no. you know, you do get the, a nice share. Like PayPal is a little bit more of a ball egg and stuff to use. Yeah. Um, but actually under the hood, Stripe will use something like WorldPay or these right. things. So it is just a, a middle layer. You yeah. know, it's probably not dealing too much. You know, it has to use these other services, but it's just wrapping that up for you. I mean, I think I've used most of them now, like WorldPay, SagePay, all those. You've, and, you pretty much, yeah, you've actually touched on a lot of them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting, actually, having used most of them to see how they differently do it, and uh, and particularly with the encryption and the security side of things. But um, but the thing I don't like is a lot of them, the, the uh, documentation guide or development guide is like 50 pages, and it's like, when are you going to get a chance to read through 50 pages of that to and you want as a developer we want the quick fix to see okay does it work and do what we want it to do and then we'll delve in like you need that quick start guide yeah like what did we hit for immediately when we got to Kong get Kong we just installation quick start guide let's get it set up and if we run into problems or we need more stuff then we go in I think that is where like the whole Rails thing won out you know Ruby Mm. on Rails where it's that sensible defaults configuration no convention over configuration yeah where you know, you have sensible configuration defaults, but it allows you at the end to be able to configure it to your heart's content once you've unlocked that box and you've yeah. committed to the product or you've committed to something. Like, now you've added that into GoCardless, you'll be like, actually, I need to do it this way instead, or maybe I need that, and you can slowly configure it as opposed yeah. to, by the way, here's a 50 page manic, yeah, 50 page guide that yeah. you have to read before you even think about adding this to your, you know, to your project. Yeah. Whereas, opposed to you've got a composer install, add that package, nice. set it up job done and that's again where stripe went out because it was just yeah. i mean you see it on the quick guide you see how oh this is how you make a payment and it's sure. like oh wow yeah and i think two other things with that is basically sometimes the response you get when you're trying to like integrate these things will be just very boolean like oh false didn't work and that's really it's a real nightmare and you're just how did it actually yeah <laughs> yeah like give me a clue here what's going on and the other thing is you know um alongside that really is how easy is it to play around with it in sandbox mode? And most payment gateways give you a sandbox mode, but it's not always easy to to do that. And sandbox um, is like making sure that you so it's not payments. You don't really have to do any payments. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, the sandbox mode for Go Cardless again really painless. You know, you just flick a switch when you're ready to go live and and change out of that mode. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it, um, particularly for anyone who's got like a subscription model. It's just really really nice. So. Uh, yeah, but other than that, um, no, I don't really have much too much to update on. How's the uh, project going? The, oh, uh, sorry, the, the masters. Uh, 
the masters, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. masters. So, the masters. Yeah, sorry, the masters. Uh, so the code is handed in. So um, that was really good. I kind of like found a really stupid error that I'd done where um, when I was like scraping the content of websites, I basically had a I was catching an exception and not really doing much in that catch. And um, so I hadn't really noticed that some of the scrapes had failed. So I got no content for them. And and that was leading to the algorithm, putting them right at the bottom of the rankings. And I was realizing that's where it was going so really badly wrong. So I managed to find that this week and fix that. And um, yeah, I mean... So how are the results here? Because once you've done that, like, yeah. are they... Are they a bit more kind of realistic, compar- comparable to... They're, I mean, if you were like to say, you know, number of rankings in position, it would still look really poor. Like maybe I get like 15 out of 100. But from a more sort of, uh, you know, more of an overlook, if you, at a glance, it look the data is pretty good, actually. You can see patterns in the data, which is what I'm looking for. Um, it w- it would And that's correlation between what yeah. they d- do determine and you determine as being kind of a relevant. Yeah, particularly result. with regards to like element types. Um, so this is going you know a bit more into marketing, but for me, like one of the big things I wanted to find out was how important are backlinks. Yeah, because, yeah that's true. And what yeah. is a backlink then? So backlink. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know the history, I've probably banged on about this too much, but um, so Google's original algorithm was strongly based on PageRank. With PageRank, you can you can literally download the um, paper that that well, yeah, because they did that as their standard right. yeah, yeah, dissertation, wasn't crazy. it? Crazy. So it's really interesting, but. Yeah, PageRank basically, you know, I can see much detail works on the amount of links you've got coming in, but then the amount of links you've got going out, but also the uh, reputation of the links coming in. Because obviously, like, I'm sure you remember, like, in the 90s, probably even now, but, you know, like, link farms were all the rage. You're like, oh, you can buy a thousand links. You and know? that is someone's putting on a website yeah. your link, essentially, yeah. or multiple websites, links to your website to make you look like look yours is more important. Yeah. Because the idea, I suppose, their idea was that, was it Sergey and. Uh, what's his name is it Larry Larry and Sergey yeah. yeah so th- their idea was that it isn't the fact of like because uh, Yahoo and things they were doing like kind of manual processes weren't they like yeah. directories where people would add to that they were awful they, yeah. they, this is the problem yeah. exactly they were they were unmaintainable once the web got to a sufficient size yeah but their idea was that people who have interesting content typically will share it or something or the interesting stuff will be you know People will relate, link to relevant stuff or, you know, interesting bits. Yeah, and I think there's, uh, I've probably got horribly wrong now, but I think there's something called the Mafia effect. Don't know why it's called that, but the idea is that if you're, you know, towards the top of the rankings... The Mafia effect? Uh, the Mafia effect. Oh, Mafia. Oh, Mafia. I was like, it's like, hey, you kill one of them, I'll give you a horse and you're... Uh... Yeah. But I think I'm right and that's what it's called. But basically, if you're towards the top of the rankings, and obviously you're going to get more clicks... So then you end up with like this vicious cycle of because you're near the top, you're getting more clicks, which then could, you know, keep pushing you up the rankings, even though your content could be really shocking. So I personally, you know, just my point of view, I don't think that backlinks are that important anymore. And my data does go a long way to to supporting that. Um, Do you think so, that it's because of like link farms and stuff? They've yeah. had to tame it over, you know, search engine optimization changes they've done. Yeah, because it was just too easy to manipulate and the, and the problem is well at that time obviously Google didn't have the data it does now but like I say now it's got its analytics code yeah, on most people's yeah, sites everyone's like it. it's got a much better metric in fact that you can you know measure engagement like so what could be better than 
understanding how long people spend on a particular yeah, page. It's not just, oh, this is linked to the, on, the, on this website. It's, yeah. how long did I spend on this website? Exactly. That's crazy. That's scary. Yeah. You know, like, what, and what area, what viewport area, content port did I actually, was I on the site? Because they can see, what, you know, which exact play place in the site exactly. you're on. And... and there's also an issue of, like, context. I can't think of any good examples off the top of my head, but you could be searching for something that would... Well, actually, one example, um, one of the search terms I measured against was... SEO in Kent, as in the county in the UK. So one of the top results that comes up for me... But we're is, obviously in Surrey at the moment. We're in that's Sussex. Sussex, sorry, sorry, yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah, no. He thinks I live in Sussex. He <laughs> likes to at least say that, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one of the results that came up was some guy called um, something Kent, who also does SEO. So there's that subject of context, uh, which yes. is hard for Google to, uh, to judge. And then someone once said to me, like, Google's ultimate aim is like Pinocchio, like he wants to be a real human because he's trying to understand like a human and things like that, the context. Whilst I know if I'm searching for SEO in Kent, I would know it's a location. You know the intent because you know yeah. your background of what exactly you're after. Yeah. And also maybe I would know because I'd be like, well, yeah, you're probably looking for someone because you live in Kent, etc. Yeah. You know, you're looking at SEO in Kent as opposed to I'm looking for someone named Ken, yeah. you know, who does SEO. That's really interesting, actually. Exactly. One, one thing I was actually going to ask is um, yeah. because... Google now tailor your our results personally to each one because you have yeah, an account on yeah, Google, yeah. Um, and then they know. So you your know, location and your that's search it, history, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you know, when I look on Google, yeah. I may find that my results are different, different to someone else's. How did you go around that then? Did you just not include session? I don't know. Um, the way I did it was basically when I did the search, I used their API, which is, is it CSE, Custom Search Engine. So I, I don't think, and I could be wrong here, but I don't think that takes into consideration your location or anything like that. And if it did, it would have taken it off the server that I was running it from. Right. So I think doing it that way gave me a bit of a clean slate in that respect. So it's just an API call that you did instead of... Yeah. That's cool, yeah. And plus the other factor was that because really, then when I was running my own algorithm, I was only running it on the results that Google returned to me. So then I was just really giving a score for the ones I, I already knew were in the top 100. Yeah. So I got around that factor. But um, yeah, I mean, it's tricky to say. I mean, in some ways I'm disappointed by the results I've got back, but... I mean, like I said to you earlier, the only similar kind of experiment I could see, well, this happens a lot here. A lot of people obviously want to know how Google works. But the kind of a serious one I looked at was one where um, people had tried to replicate the results that Google Scholar brings back, which for anyone who doesn't know about Google Scholar is like a, a Google search specifically for academic papers, that kind of thing. And their conclusion reads pretty much the same as what mine will be, which is that, you know, they found some interesting results, but they, <laughs> they can't, they don't really have a clue. And it says, in fact, it says, you know, they raise more questions than they did answers, which will be the same as mine. So you just copy paste, copy paste Scholar with just the search, just change the author name, and uh, <laughs> hand it in. So um, that is the education system. But uh, no, so no, I can't be too. <laughs> That's the education system. That is the world the world has come to. Yeah, hopefully my markers aren't listening to this podcast. But yeah, uh, yeah so uh, yeah, I'm actually I, I can't beat myself up too too much. Actually, I think it works quite well. I think you're doing like an impossible task where mm. the secret source. Like, obviously, they exposed yeah. the initial secret source, which was, they say, the page rankings. Mm. And now, and we spoke about it last episode, now that they have so many tools that people use, um, and also mm. you have an account with Google, that not only is your Google account, like, you know, to go when you're on Google, you have Google mm. Chrome, yeah. where they now know everything yeah. that you view. And exact, you know, they have hardware, you know, software APIs that allow them mm. to integrate now, you know. I mean, with Chrome, who's to say that they don't know exactly what viewports, which things you're hovering over and things and all this kind of stuff that's going back to them? Yeah. Um, so, 
They probably do. They know so much. Yeah, and that's true. It's it, again, it's this whole thing of yeah, it, 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 it's very hard. Um, but yeah. to be able to find any correlation, I think, as a result. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. And one of the interesting things I found was uh, there was that LinkedIn result I was talking about. There was it was guy whose surname was Kent. So yeah, he was on LinkedIn, and and so I looked at the source. I wanted to look because that was appearing. Um, it was appearing down the bottom of my own rankings, which seemed odd because in like Google's own, it was towards the top. And especially yeah, those kind of different yeah, yeah exactly. that was a very strange, the yeah. really different one. So in that one. A, one of the problems was I hadn't actually scraped the content, which is a bit embarrassing. But when I had scraped the content, it still wasn't doing very well because I'd basically taken a list of HTML element types from wherever, uh, or the latest ones. And the one that was just littered with these references to Kent SEO was not a um, a tag that I had. It wasn't like an official oh, HTML okay. element. It was, it was something that I think was quite bespoke to LinkedIn. Um, I don't even know if it would have validated in... HTML. I don't know. I, I what is it? Is it wrong. custom tag or is it like a meta? Yeah, it was like a meta tag, but I'd never seen it before. And I even when I searched for it, I couldn't find anything. So I, I could have just been being really stupid. Don't know. But anyway. No, it's, it's interesting though. Yeah, but it was the only section of this webpage that was littered with that with the references. That sounds to very SEO. spammy. It, it that, very, very yeah, spammy. Yeah, that looks very spammy. Because obviously, yeah. I think Google tried that because... Yeah. I remember like back in the day, it was very easy for you just to be able to put hidden content in. Yeah. So, you know, you'd have yeah. like loads of crap at the front of top of your page yeah. Yeah. that you would then just display none on yeah. or something yeah. or display white or something. But Google's clever enough to know like well, CSS and working out appearances and stuff. and like, Keyword you, stuffing, all that kind mm, of things, which Google gets around with um, checking that all your keywords are in the content, checking that because that's like an obvious check. But, but again, I mean, controversially maybe, but uh, I don't think Google looks at keywords anymore. Like, I really don't. And in fact, I read something that kind of, from someone at Google that kind of suggested that. So well. what, it's funny, right? So so from all this research you've done then, mm. what do you think makes a good result? Like what would give someone a good result? Is it just the content? As long as you make non-malicious, good content, yeah, using correct, I'm guessing like, you know, P tags, H tags and mm-hmm. stuff, Google's going to... Do you know what? And it, this is what Google says. This is on their own... Uh, there's a really good page, and I'll, I'll try and dig it out. Yeah, show definitely. This. But it, it says... It's something about like how to make a good site. And it, it basically uh, alludes to the fact that, you know what? If you've got good content, your site will do well. Yeah. If it's relevant. There are too many sites that have been... Uh, it is, I think in its own words, it says, look, don't write the web page to uh, attract the search engine. Do it to attract the end and users and that's exactly how i think the web should be i think you know that's how it, that's how it's meant to be but because obviously people yeah. want to game the system exactly. they want to know the secret source they want to what you know try and hack and that's what you get link farming and yeah and i think that's really sad actually but um for me i would say if i had if i could say one thing from my results that I'm, I'm i can show pretty clearly and, and it's very obvious actually is that the uh site uh the url is still massively important really? especially like the um sort of top level domain what, what, what's actually in that top level yeah, content exactly. of that exactly so, so three devs and a maybe dot com is a very good URL to have then for if a, people a are searching for free developers and a maybe I think there's a good chance they will find us back um, of the net I don't know how much demand there is but yeah um, especially in the Sussex region maybe we'll get a lot of consultancy work people looking for free developers <laughs> and a maybe and, and, yeah. and they may need another and one they don't know yeah, exactly um, uh, but uh, yeah so I don't know. My results could be completely way off, but they there is a correlation there, and it does sort of suggest that is the case. Um, 
I did actually, I mean, I bought, spent the most amount of money I've ever spent on domain. I spent £40 on um, kentseo.io to kind of test that theory, actually. Oh, the, okay. The domain. Um, and I, but I've just kind of run out of time. Um, I didn't buy it for business purposes. I just wanted to use it for my... Uh, Masters, but are you um, going to carry that on after it? Oh, well, I say uh, that seeing as you've got infinite time to be able to do it. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, as much as I've done this project, I have no interest in SEO really. I no. mean, I, I personally, I would like it was full it. of machine learning and kind of those yeah. bits, wasn't it? It was a good sort of you know, test that, case. that noise is the coffee machine going off, which, which is silent. silent. It silent. is silent, it's a silent coffee machine. You can't notice it, it's crazy. It scares the living crap out of me every time it does it. I, I do honestly think I've been attacked by aliens. You do have a cron job that runs like every half yep. hour, to, yeah. I've got a cron job on the machine coffee, system, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wish the web was more kind of hadn't been taken over by seo people to be honest with you because it's become very marketing but i like to see that google uh, fight them you know yeah true yeah you know i think that's kind of like you know good content rises to the you know to the top because it is that's what people will look at and to be honest with you if you do go to a website that has crap content you will not spend that much time on it and you'll go off and you'll find something that's good Google then will know about that because based yeah. on Google Analytics or the Google Chrome browser or whatever it uses, yeah. it will be able to find it. And yeah. I mean, it's scary though. I mean, I know I'm that person who does a Google search. I mean, we're all these people. I don't I can't mm. remember. There is a name for it, but you know, you just, the top of the page, like you go do a Google search and if it's not the first page or something, you just yeah. change the tweet. What is it? First page or something. There's, you want to be yeah. on the first page or in the top yeah. of the first page. Yeah. Those are the echelon you want to be at. Because yeah. that's all that people do because they'll really find their shirt, search because yeah. they think... You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah, certainly above the fold, you know. You that's it, be, above the fold, yeah. yeah. Above the fold on Google, simply on the first search page. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly right. And so, that is then also the air freshener movie. Honestly, these are all on cron jobs. <laughs> I was going to say that the coffee machine, wasn't Wasn't there like a funny uh, April Fool's once, that HTTP <laughs> coffee a kettle or something, there was a status code or something that someone made. Like they were they were like saying that you know that we should have like a status code for coffee or something. I'm sure it is. Well, I, I'm impressed by the, the time of the crumbs. You've obviously got the air freshener to cancel out the coffee. I so do like the smell. Two minutes after. Very the- nice. Yeah, yeah that's good. just to keep you know exactly the freshness yeah, yeah. in the room. You know. <laughs> And obviously now I've got the new back boiler. Well, back boiler's gone, yes. and now we've got a nice combi boiler. Yeah, that has actually got its own MAC address. We live in a world now where a, 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 a boiler has its own MAC address, cool. which is quite amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's quite fun being able to use your iPhone just to yeah do your stuff. So now I've like waffled on for like twenty minutes. What have you been up to? Absolutely nothing. No, cool. Uh, right. <laughs> Good show. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, so a couple of things actually have happened this week. Um, yeah. I went to a recruitment fair um, oh, for yeah. my builder. Um, at, it was Silicon Milk Roundabout. Went on yeah. last Sunday. Um, and that was really interesting. Yeah. Completely out of my comfort zone. <laughs> completely. Anyone who knows me knows I can talk for Britain, but I get quite nervous. Like if I'm having to be the person, you know, like especially if it was in front of crowds or it's instigating the conversation yeah. initially, yeah. I'm not going to be that type of guy but yeah. I just put on this kind of game face of like no right we're just going to do it you know yeah. we want to get good developers and the only way of doing that is by talking to them and stuff yeah. and it was really interesting like you, you just get into a zone and I was just jacked up on espressos all day because <laughs> uh, it was a long it was a long day like I don't know how a couple of people have to do it for both days yeah. um, and I don't know how they did that because it is draining talking to people I don't mm. know how because obviously as a developer we don't really communicate a lot with a di- loads mm. of different people, you know, in that it's quick succession. Yeah. Um, but no, it was really interesting trying to find people, you know, and, and talking to people and seeing how, you know, the stacks and stuff and realizing how 
much hate there is still for PHP. Really? Yes. Um, you know, mm. it really does annoy me quite a bit, actually. Uh, you know, one of my first questions with some people were, you know, like, specifically, because so what happens is there you get like a little lanyard and you can stick mm. your stickers on of what you do and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, people would come along, you'd see, you're like, oh, they're interesting, you know, what they're doing. A lot of data scientists, lots right. of people doing machine learning kind of stuff, yeah. which was quite surprising. So I was thinking how many, you know, because it's quite a new mm. field, I'm guessing yeah. people just want to get into it, you know, and it's one yeah. of those things. But yeah, no, so you see their, their stickers and you're like, oh, I'll talk to them and stuff. And, you know, you'd ask them like, you know, I, you know, are you a fan of working with PHP and stuff? Because, you know, really in our stack, it, you know, we do a lot of React stuff and we do a lot of other bits and bobs. But if you're not going to touch any PHP code, you're not really going to be getting much into a lot of what we do. Yeah. A lot of our APIs and stuff and a lot of our, you know, real systems processes. So one of the things was, you know, to ask them and they'd be like, oh, you know, I used to do it like, you know, 10 years ago or something. And it's, it does kind of, it, people are so naive. I, I, I would, I would hope that I never get that way with a language. Yeah. Maybe I'm that way with Java. And I mean it jokingly because I understand now even Java 9 is coming out now. Yeah. I understand the swings and roundabouts it's gone to, you know, from yeah. being on the JVM. The JVM is a lovely platform. Java is a good language. It's tried and tested, you know, it's a corporate language that's been used a lot. And, you know, it's moved into being getting streams to get in finally getting you know closures and things like that mm. um but yeah the, the hatred not hatred but kind of the the lack of belittling of yeah, yeah yeah the, the, the lack of awareness that php requests pretty much make up most of the requests on the mm. web today yeah if you take into account how big facebook and things are yeah um yeah, it just bamboozled me it really did not me you know where people would think that php is just this kind of you know spaghetti language still and it's yeah obviously if you're listening to this you know Obviously, it's not, or maybe you don't, but it really does bamboozle me, and it's just a tool for the job. You know, so we, we did speak to some people, and it was great where they were, you know, use the right tool for the job, and yeah. that's exactly how you should be. You know, yeah. you shouldn't sign up for a language and be with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or else we all would be classic ASP people, wouldn't we? I agree, and um, I, I mean, one of the things I worry about with my master's degree is that I wrote my final project in PHP. I started in Java, and it just... I just got fed up, so I moved back to PHP, and but I do worry that it'll be... It'll go against me in some ways. It's crazy. I don't get it. Mm. It's a big, it's a grown-up language. Yeah, it's a grown-up language now. Anything that you sure. want to do in what in a, in another language, mm. you know, I'm sure you could do in PHP. Oh yeah. yeah, as readable. I mean, maybe some things no, but you know, it's a great language, general purpose language that does yeah. the job. Yeah, of the web really well. Yeah, and also with other things, you know, background processes and stuff, does it fine. I was really interested. Like it was really fun experience. I completely yeah. out of my comfort zone. Really enjoyed it, though, talking to all these developers and stuff and kind of speaking to a lot of different people, you know, with different backgrounds or, you know, what their soft, you know, what stacks they use and what they've used and stuff. And yeah. and seeing some fresh out of uni people, which was so good. Like, they're so green and it's so lovely yeah. to see them, you know. And, <laughs> oh, it's great. You know, you could spot them a mile away, these lovely, innocent uni people that were just... <laughs> Coming in and you're like, I know you, <laughs> you know, but um, being one of those once, once upon a time. But yeah. other than that, though, um, what have I been doing? So I've been upgrading Kong, had some interesting stuff with upgrading Kong. Um, yeah. So that, that's our, the API gateway with you talking yeah. about. Um, but been doing that and moving away from Cassandra. because So originally Kong, you needed to use Cassandra, um, mm. the key value store. And it's not, it's a columnar database. So it's kind of like, forever as many columns as you would want in a database you can okay. store it kind of thing yeah um but yes yeah, so dealing with that uh but that's on java and stuff and it was quite heavy um right. and to be honest 
we always wanted to use a relate like Postgres. Mm. We we knew it was coming out, but we went, by the time like last year, we, it was still not. It was kind of still in development. The Postgres stuff. Okay. So we went with Cassandra, and we've had that in production for a year. It's worked fine, but we would prefer ideally yeah. to remove. We don't use anything else with Java. It's the only reason why we would have JVM on our stack yeah. and have that on is because of Cassandra, and it's dealing with like the file monitoring, like logging, etc., like that, and it's dealing with monitoring on it, and you know our expertise with Postgres. So fortunately, they've been able. They've they've merged in and now in zero nine you've got postgres support so i've been doing that and moving that over and i'll be getting that deployed next week um on top of that we had some interesting fun you know i actually had a really interesting fun with um opera a couple of weeks ago i didn't explain this to actually on like last mm. episode so opera right opera mini have you ever used opera mini no oh god we don't all right <laughs> that, okay again this is me being nasty isn't it where i'm like completely slating something you know <laughs> I say that with PHP, this is what people like, but yeah, don't, know. So Opera Mini in turbo mode. So we were having some issues with people just not, and this is again the nice thing about unlocking your logs and being able to see problems when they happen. Mm. Um, and I've been really impressed with Sentry actually today. That's been really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, so one of the problems we had was them, they just weren't able to access the site. It was coming up saying, sorry, no, you're not allowed to access the site. And it was throwing saying, you know, that their request had been invalid. So that's really weird. Um, so we were looking through looking for his requests and stuff, and I was playing around on my phone, and I was able to emulate the problem. I'm like, well, this is although Opera isn't a you know a use that use browser, it's always good to probably have you know support yeah. for something you know that's around. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that the problem was was because when it so Opera Mini and Turbo Mode use a, uses a proxy, mm-hmm. they proxy that you use their Opera Operafied version, so they proxy your request oh, through yeah. their Opera version. So that's one of the reasons why it's supposed to be quicker because they get they compress the okay. assets, they do all the stuff with it, you know. Yeah. So they do that. So yeah. what actually happens then is you get a proxy request to your server. Yeah. Now what we were having though was it turned out that so a lot of people use the HTTP X forwarded for header yes, fine do. Yeah. Um, but there's also another one called just forwarded I think or HTTP forwarded um, but we weren't taking that into consideration and what was happening was Symphony when it got to Symphony Symphony checks to make sure that these are all the same if they're not the same then it goes <laughs> sorry you know and, and they weren't the same you know there was right. a problem with it because the forwarded bit it, was, it wasn't exactly the same yeah. so in the end what we do is we just strip out at the top layer when we, we do our SSL termination now we strip out all the other forwarded and we say look this we know it's for this person use yeah. this throughout our whole stack but it was one of those interesting ones where it's just like trying to debug it but oh, fortunately yeah, with horrible. Logly it's, it's so good Yeah. Um, but other than that a couple, quite a few blog posts actually have been released so last week before we did the recruitment fair we kind of did like a couple of blog posts, just released, released you know, some interesting stuff that we'd been doing over the over the time. Um, and I had a chance to like look at some things. Like it was one of these interesting problems um, to do with. I don't know if I explained it. No, I didn't explain it in the last podcast, and I'll stop yabbing on after. <laughs> uh, but constraint based ordering. Right. Um, so the idea is is that we wanted to display on the site um, shortlist fees. Oh no, sorry, not shortlist fees. We wanted to display the latest shortlists. Yeah. Or latest, you know, jobs. Yeah. And their fee that they the shortlist fee that they actually cost for tradesmen. So they could see like, oh yeah, these are the currently published jobs, you know, that have been being approved mm. and this is the shortlist fee they're at and stuff. So as a developer, what you do is you just go in, you say, find me the latest approved jobs and order them by, you know, when they've been approved and dump it on the page. Yeah. And then you look at it aesthetically and you, yeah. you show Will, a designer, is like, well, they don't look that nice because there could be Five, because you want to kind of show the distribution of like, yeah, there's so many different types of payments shortlist yeah. fees. Maybe what happens is is that you get a chunk of them, and it's like five of them in a row, or a couple in a row, all of like three pound fees. Yeah, when it doesn't really look that nice anymore. 
Um, so what you're really looking for is a constraint-based ordering, not ordering based on when they're approved at, but really based on, I want them to be the latest, but I also want them to kind of be jumbled around a bit to make them look a bit distributed. Yeah. So I was looking into ways of doing that, and I wrote a blog post um, on the tech blog, and I'll put it also put it in my, my blog as well, just link it to the tech blog, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, just talking about like how that problem and then solving that problem um, and go and really what I went with was the idea of sorting them all out. So you sort all the to, to fetch like a bunch of leads. So say we fetch the last 10 leads and then you sort them all. You then partition them into three partitions and then you interleave all those ones together. And the idea there is, of course, a lot of them could be du- if you had them all duplicates, you are reliant on the base data. Mm. But. At least that will give you an even distribution of high, medium, lows, essentially, you know, yeah. kind of throughout. And it will give a bit more feel. And it is funny where it's that kind of aesthetics. I, I never forget where Steve Jobs, you know, you have shuffle on your fire, like you have shuffle on your um, yeah. on your music and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's that's random. It was, you know. Yeah. What people really wanted, though, was they don't want shuffle. They want smart shuffling, which is shuffling songs that they would actually really want to listen to and stuff. So yeah. you've gone from the random, which is what we as developers love, to actually putting this constraint randomness. Yeah. Um, and, and then other than that, there's another blog post I did, which was on the finally released the stuff we talked about last week, where I was yabbing on about um, the stuff to do with. Um, all the command stuff and all of the, you know, using supervisor and stuff and be able to send that out and like, which was good. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we've hit, well, we've hit the 40 minute mark. Well, I was going to say, obviously, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of Freedom's Movie if I didn't plug something that I've not used or seen. Plug it, away, uh, sir. Plug away. So you maybe you've seen it because I actually plugged it to you without seeing it. But the, uh, especially like if you're, well, for anyone, but particularly if you're a British or interested in this kind of thing, but uh, there was the, uh, thing on BBC iPlayer oh, on yes. demand. The, yes. What was it? Britons who designed the world or something? Or, Not big headed at all. I love no, that. No, you know, no, it's no. like Britons, you know. Yeah, like, right. Was it the British Empire or something? We just take over the whole world, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. anymore. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not a, you know, I don't know what the word is, nationalist or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> he wants to anybody take over the world. British, you don't have to be British. <laughs> and I don't think British are better than anyone else. Yeah, but yeah, I think it was like, looking at people like Johnny Ives, who I, you know, really admire. I'm not a designer, but I just think it's incredible what he's achieved and what he's done. And um, I think like the guy who made the Sinclair, is it, yeah. it Clive Sinclair? Is that right? Oh dear, I'm going to get it wrong. But um, this is what it's good having a computer next Yeah. And we can be like, actually... Fact checker. Yeah, come on. Oh, you think it's Clive, do you? Oh, it could be completely wrong. Clive, Clive Sinclair. Hey. So, uh, yeah, it's just really good. Uh, well, I say it's a really good program. I've not watched it, but it looked really interesting. And it was it was on in the background when I was out for dinner the other night. And uh, I couldn't watch it because we were having a meal. So, But yeah, it might be worth a watch. Don't know. Let me know. <laughs> I love Mickey. Yeah. Always. Your plugs are great. Check it out for uh, me. What me do know. you think of this coffee, though? Kenko, eh? Coffee is yeah, great. Yeah, it's good rich, roast. Dark good roast. Aroma. Yeah. How much do we get for this? Plug? I don't know. We still haven't had a word back from right. Kenko. Come Kenko, on, dude. Gets- that's all I've got. So uh, no, it's fine. Yeah, that's it. yeah. I, I think audience, it's been another great episode. I it say in my humble opinion, it's been yeah. the best episode ever. It's yeah. been the second yeah. episode that we've done live. Yeah, but the best episode we've ever done live. In that's only two house. people in this new house. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. It's my first in the new house. Well, Amazing. hey, and we've got heat and it's warm. It's yeah, okay. Probably. Yeah. It's living the dream, guys. Right. Well, yeah. we're going to get back to work and um, yeah. we'll speak to you guys next week. Cheers. Goodbye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.